You are in Biblical Soul Care Sunday School class, and we are um, in part two this morning on, we're going through the fruit of the Spirit, we're talking about peace, and this is the second week on that, um, that topic. And last week, we discussed three categories of peace, biblically. So we have um, peace with God, or what we call vertical peace, um, that if you don't have peace with God, you don't have peace, period. Um, if you think you have peace and you're not a believer, you are um, just kind of in this blissful ignorance. Um, we talked about how if you do not have peace with God, you are his enemy. Um, and that our natural state, we are born enemies of God. We are born uh, hostile to him, uh, desiring our own way. We worship ourselves or something that we want, whether that's money or power or respect or um, any list of things and some of the scriptures that we talked about are Romans 5 1 and 2 where Paul writes therefore since we have been justified by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God so there is one way to be right with God to have peace with God and that is through the Lord Jesus Christ by faith in him um, and that faith, that trusting in Jesus Christ, uh, that justifies us in our sinful, guilty state so that there's no more condemnation for us for our sins. And we have peace with God. Uh, so we have vertical peace, and that's, that's where we have to start. We start with vertical peace, peace with God. The second way is we can experience the peace of God in our own life. So that's um, inner peace or peace, the peace of God. And we read... Um, what Jesus said in John 14, 27, he said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. And let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. We said that the peace of God is a gift. It is something that is given to believers, uh, and then it's something that we can not uh, fully explain. A lot of times, as we'll see in Philippians, but... Um, the peace of God is something that if you really stop and think about it, what kind of, we talk about what kind of peace does Jesus himself have? Uh, and it is perfect, complete, total peace. So, and he offers that to us. He says, my peace I give to you. And that's a wonderful, beautiful gift. We read Isaiah 26, 3 and 4, that you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. We highlight it that the way to experience and to enjoy the peace of God is to be thinking about God, thinking about his character, thinking about his sovereignty, his power, his goodness, his mercy, his grace. As you think about and, and meditate on the character of God, how he is faithful, um, then there is a great peace that comes, and that's in the midst of hard times. That's when the world doesn't feel peace, right? When they are suffering so the Christian, that is not true. That's not so for the Christian. So you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever for the Lord is an everlasting rock. So if you want peace, we trust in the Lord. We think about the Lord. We fix our minds on him. In Philippians 4, 6 through 7, do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So the primary way that Scripture tells us 
to experience the peace of God is to think on him and to pray to him about everything. So then what we didn't finish was that, that third piece, which is the horizontal piece or peace with other people. Um, we did read those. Um, we read uh, Romans 12, uh, 17 and 18. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. And 18 is the key. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with the people you like. Oh, wait, no, no, that's not what it says. Live peaceably with all. With all. And 19, beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And then what we didn't uh, use last week, but I, I put it in the, for this week, is 2 Corinthians 13, 11, the end of 2 Corinthians, Paul's writing to that church. He says, finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. So Lord puts a high priority on peaceful living amongst the brothers and sisters in Christ. So very, very important. Now, with all that, um, our objective today is to apply it. We want to we apply what we've learned about peace from Scripture to different scenarios. Um, by the way, and I probably should have <laughs> reviewed this, the, the definition, what is peace? If you remember from last week, what, is, what does peace mean in, in the Bible when the biblical authors are writing about peace? Can someone give me kind of a rough definition? It's a warm, fuzzy feeling, right? No, not quite. It was, uh, it, it is multifaceted. So it is the absence of like conflict and hostility. Okay. And, but it's also, it, it talks about wholeness. It has this meaning of being um, perfect. Everything is good and right. Um, there is a completeness to it, a calmness and a tranquility. So there, that's what we're talking about when we're, when we're talking about peace. It's not just not fighting somebody, but it's actually when both sides uh, desire the good of the other and they're working towards wholeness and soundness and completeness. We talked about that God um, is a God of peace, lacking nothing. There's no good thing that God doesn't have. And that when he created the world, he created a, in a state of peace. Everything was good. And then we messed it up, right? So we, Adam and Eve, when they sinned, they, there was a declaration of war against God. They, they rejected his rule, his authority. They wanted to be like God. So, and so everything that God is doing through the history of the world in redemption is restoring a state of peace. And peace is really the hope uh, that we all look forward to when the Lord comes back, when Jesus comes back and makes things right, it will be peaceful. So that's what we meant by peace. That's what the Bible means by peace, I should say. And now we want to apply that. How do we counsel people um, when they are lacking peace in everyday life? Well, I chose a, a good, started off a little bit light. So the first one on page two, we have Wyatt. I apologize if there's a Wyatt in here, but this is just random. Wyatt is a die-hard Chiefs fan. And every Sunday is the culmination of a week of preparation. He consumes all of the commentary, the interviews, the opinion columns, the press conferences, the podcasts. 
to get all of the news on Chiefs players and coaches through the week. It takes a lot of work to fulfill his duty as a loyal citizen of Chiefs' kingdom, after all. So this year is off to a rocky start, though. Contract disputes, injuries to key players, and so many drop passes in week one. Yikes. We lost the opener to the Lions. I mean, goodness, what is going on? Right? The teams coming up on the schedule aren't getting worse anytime soon, including today. So, all of this has led to Wyatt being anxious and irritable anytime they lose, or when some bit of bad news leaks about the team. And as you observe Wyatt, you're convinced that he, too, he has too much of his piece tied to the football team. How do you counsel him? First question. Submit one idol for another one. No, don't do that. We don't want to give more damage, Alex. <laughs> hey, we won our Super Bowls. Yeah. All right, well, moving right along. What's wrong with Wyatt? What's wrong with his, his behaviors? What do you see in there? Unfortunately, he's pretty normal. Okay. <laughs> That's the first thing. There's a lot of Wyatt's out there. Unfortunately, this is a very common thing. Yes. Surely not in here, though. No, no. Or, or maybe a little bit. So, what, what's, the, what are the problems here? What, what are the problematic behaviors that, that we're seeing in, in Wyatt? Well, is he a first off? Is he a believer? Mm-hmm. A professor? Of we're gonna assume that he professes belief, and so we're, we're gonna kind of give him the benefit of the doubt. We think he's going to church. And that we'll, we'll kind of assume that for all of these people that we go through. These people are coming to church here at Flint Hills. We're, you're rubbing shoulders with them. Well, the text says he's anxious and irritable, and both of those are sins. Mm. So right there we have a sin issue, or multiple ones. Yeah, so he, the irritableness. Chris Jones just needs to play. He's under contract. He makes me, me grumpy. So yeah, that, there's that. Irritableness, and so now he's just grouchy, and whenever you know somebody says something they didn't like, he snaps at him. So there's irritableness. Mm-hmm. It's sinful. His, well, his first focus is, is not on Christ. Mm-hmm. I guess I think it's I guess his first focus might be football. Yeah. Football, baseball, or football? He it's is basketball. Oh, no, sorry, football. Okay. I, was, I was like my favorite basketball. But, uh, so we're <laughs> we're thinking through um, and and think through all the things that he's doing. Surrounding a game. Mm-hmm. How many hours and thought and devotion he shows in the, this game, this team? What, what if he and I focus on the Jacksonville Jaguars game and see if he said, okay, if the Chiefs doing good um, this week than last week mm-hmm. and not focus on the wood. Right. So. Or if he's just kind of watching his clock as Pastor Dave's yeah. going to set the sermon. Like, oh, yeah. We got a new kickoff here. Yeah, that's right. That's it's a problem. It's showing what he's treasuring based off what he's thinking and how he's using his time. He mm-hmm. treasures mm-hmm. football far above God. Yeah. That, that's really the answer to number two, right? What does he? What is? What does his behavior reveal about his heart? He's treasuring this game, this team. So you have something that's not inherently bad. Like, is it mm-hmm. bad to enjoy watching football? Mm-hmm. No, it's not bad to 
encourage the Chiefs, but yet when you look at his behaviors, you have something that he's just taken to the extreme. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have to be delicate in dealing with that because he may want to take it to the complete opposite and be like, okay, well then I won't watch any football and I will idolize something else. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's a tricky thing when you have somebody who's, what they like is not bad. It's not like he's watching things that are inappropriate and we can point out and be like, oh, that's, that's totally wrong. Right. But it's just how his heart has reacted to it and his idolizing of the thing that makes it bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and as we think about, we want to center this not on the Chiefs. Okay, we want to center this on what he's doing about mm -hmm. the Chiefs. Right? He, we want to think about, okay, if he's snapping at people, that is a heart problem that, that Wyatt has. That's a sin problem that he's having. Um, and, and if he watches the game and, they, and, and we fumble, throw an interception, whatever the thing, and he just starts yelling and throwing stuff, like, that's a heart problem. So we, we want to, going into the question number three, what does he need to hear? What, do we, what questions do we ask him? What statements do we make to him? Well, there's no eternal consequences if the Chiefs win or Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we can start with questions like, hey, what, what? I see you're angry. What's what's the worst that can happen? Patrick Mahomes could never play again. What if, what if Patrick Mahomes <laughs> never plays? He can be taken away at any moment. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. I mean, so you can't, you're putting your, you're putting your faith in something that's so temporal. Mm -hmm. you, one day to day, we don't know. Mm -hmm. So what the heck? Just yeah. So yeah, and and to avoid that that what Lauren is indicating, like, uh, hey, just cheer for the Broncos, or or like cheer, or don't watch that, watch this, or to avoid that, and just substituting one idol for another idol, we can kind of ask questions that, hey, I see that you're quite a bit of knowledge about the Chiefs. Like, how's your devotion going? How's your time in the Word? Are you are you fellowshipping with believers? Like, so we wanted to start to ask questions that kind of pull out. Now, what should you be doing? What does have eternal value, instead of my just short-term happiness and distraction? I also want to ask him, ask probing questions to figure out how he responds to other disappointments in his life. Mm -hmm. I would guess that this is not just the Chiefs. Mm -hmm. If he gets that wrapped up in the Chiefs, it's got to be. For me, in other areas. What happens off season? Yeah. So when there's not football season. Yeah. What happens though when the response is yes, you're doing all of those things? And then where do you go with the conversation? Mm, good question. So uh, we say, hey, how's as much time in the Word as you just researching the Chiefs? Yeah. So how much how much time do you spend in the Word? Like how is that going? So you're asking those questions, and then you're based on what he says. Yes, I'm 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 in the Word every day. Yeah, I read my I read my verse of the day, <laughs> and then I read my Chiefs blogs. Like, so there, there's going to have to be some questions and some maybe some gentle comments um, that hey, just as you ask him questions about the Lord and what and what is the Lord doing in your life? How are you growing in your knowledge of the Lord? His answers are going to be probably pretty superficial and and pretty. Um, I'm trying to think of the word light. It's not going to be very biblically informed if, in fact, this is the, the case and he is spending all of his time looking at Chief's stuff and not in if to his spiritual well -being. comprehension of the word peace, he would not clearly understand mm -hmm. if he was so he does read it. Then do you see the results? I mean, you would ask him, mm -hmm. do you feel like that's, how's that working for you? Mm -hmm. Is it giving you peace? Well, 
I was not controlling you. Yeah. You gained control of you. Yeah, what, and what scriptures would you take him to? You will keep him in perfect peace and find his stays on him. Mm-hmm. And trust the him. What, and you might say, hey, what you get angry about mm-hmm. reveals what you love and treasure. And what about, um, I think um, Matthew 6, 33, um, it says your, your heart is in treasure, so you'll be also. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the about giving. Mm-hmm. Right, and, and uh, so you'd want to maybe ask him about it. Another, is he serving in the church? Is he using his, the gifts that the, the, the Spirit has given him and is empowering him to do? Is he using that to serve the body? I mean, you can, you can go through and tell him what we are to be doing as Christians and think it through that with him. Any other scriptures that we could take him to? John 14, 27, off the front. But... Not your heart be troubled. I mean, and neither let them be afraid. I mean, he's obviously fearing a loss mm-hmm. or a player mm-hmm. or. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Other scriptures? What about verses that have to do with repentance? Mm-hmm. Call repentance if you're sinfully irritable and anxious without. Confessing that to God. Right. So, would you take him? I, I might take him to James four. Like, where do these? Where's this, this anger coming from? In James four. I can get there. James four. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this? Your passions are at war within you. You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask, or you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people. So there's this, this idea that, that when I am angry and wanting to fight and wanting to wish bad things on the other team or what, whatever that is, that is my passions, sinful passions at war in me. That's a lack of peace. I think another thing to ask him is, do you do you think you are in perfect peace? Do you think that you mm-hmm. have peace? Mm-hmm. You know, just asking those like, do you do you see a problem with this? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. because then that directs how you're gonna <laughs> counsel them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and earlier in James, just a little bit earlier, he, he gives an under description. What does godliness look like? Who is wise and understanding among you? This is 3.13. By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Um, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above. It's earthly and spiritual and demonic. But verse 17. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial, and sincere and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace so there, there's lots of good scriptures and lots of good questions that we can ask basically we want him to get talking we want to draw out 
Uh, and, and as he speaks, and we can point out where his theology is wrong, where he's trusting in man, or the, the distraction of football, or the entertainment, and rather than having his mind fixed on the Lord, his mind stayed on him, serving the Lord, glorifying God. Any other comments on Wyatt? Yes. Just building off that last comment, you can always keep things positive to start with. Sorry, what was that? Like, wouldn't it be great if you could get to the end of the week and just, you know, have peace and mm-hmm. happiness through the weekend? Yeah. Yeah, we want to, yeah, hold out the hope of of what is possible in Christ and walking by the Spirit. There's that peace and, and holding it out and saying, hey, this would be, be great to enjoy your Sundays, <laughs> like uh, every Sunday, right? Um, and to have that peace that, that comes with walking with Christ, the obedience of peace. If uh, is Matthew six six twenty one, mm-hmm. um, when your heart, your treasure, mm-hmm. it will your heart be. So it's Matthew mm-hmm. six twenty one. Yeah. So what you treasure, where your treasure is, that might be another good kind of diagnostic question. Hey, how much, how much money do you spend on the Chiefs? I might want to be careful with that one, but that's that because that's that's getting to the, what what Josh that text is there is like where your treasure is, where you're spending your money, your heart follows. So Jesus is saying, so be generous. Don't give to the kingdom. Well, time is also valuable too. I mean, you've got just money, but it's mm-hmm. your time in there. Yeah, that'd be another good question. How much time do you spend? Learning about the Chiefs. Because that's valuable to the Lord. Your mm-hmm. time is valuable. Yeah. So, what attribute of God is being brought into question? Uh, would that be sovereignty? For, for Wyatt, I, I'm I'm guessing, and I think this is this way with uh, with entertainment. It's it's generally a not thinking about God. I'm not thinking about any like I'm not thinking about how He is everywhere present with me now. That he is the judge of all the... There's a lot of things that he's just not considering at all. Sovereignty, I mean, you list them, name them off, and he's not thinking about it. He's thinking about this game and cheering and being entertained. Uh, I, I think a lot of our entertainment is about distracting ourselves from thinking about what we ought to be thinking about. That's, so That's a good... Because we are... There are things that we're responsible for, that we have a duty for, and then there's just concerns. Um, and uh, this isn't a responsibility of his, how the chiefs are doing. Mm-hmm. But his, so much of his life is wrapped up in it mm-hmm. that he's neglecting probably his responsibilities at the expense of his concerns. Yeah. 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 What? Just breaking the command of God, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. So that's the first um, summation of that. Matthew 22, 37. Mm-hmm. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. He's not doing either one of those, probably. Right? Mm-hmm. Definitely. <laughs> no problem. So. Hi. Hi. Um, last week. Was it last week? No, I wasn't here last week. But uh, two weeks ago, mm-hmm. man, pastor said, when are we 
what part of the day you do your devotion? Morning, mm -hmm. morning, afternoon, and evening. Mm -hmm. The morning be good because that's the first time that God be first yeah. in your life. Then uh, other thing like your family or other thing getting ready for work. Right. Yeah, that's a good. That's good wisdom to to start your day off thinking of the Lord, thinking of the Lord, reading Scripture, praying. Yeah, that's good. Let's look at the second scenario. Samantha is worried about the future. In a recent conversation, she mentions to you that she sees no good reason for her and her husband Seth to have children because of all the turmoil going on in the world, the economy, politics, pandemics. Institutions that we used to trust are no longer trustworthy, and on and on she goes. She recounts the ways that Christians are being mistreated and misquoted, or in some, some cases, that people who claim Christian Christianity are misrepresenting the truth of Scripture. So she has fear of the future. How would you counsel her? Let's start with number five, same, same type of question. What is wrong with her behaviors or her words? She's misplaced. <clears throat> yeah. She's Where exactly <coughs> is her trust in herself? Self-preservation. Yeah. Okay. Self-preservation. The solution is I don't have kids, so therefore I'm being self-reliant. Hmm. Okay. There's still gonna be these problems. Well, you got kids for nothing. Mm -hmm. As far as that goes. Yeah. But she's trying to control the situation instead of like trusting God in the situation. Or, or I would say she is wanting the circum the circumstances to be in such a way before she's willing to have children. Things aren't looking so good. I'm looking at the forecasts for the country or the community or whatever. So I'm not. Why would we bring bring a kid in the world? I've heard that in, in the news. Like people saying these things. I, I'm afraid to bring to have kids. Look at where things are going. I have a coworker who told me that she asked her priest about that when she had kids, and they're my age. So it's nothing new under the mm -hmm. sun. Mm -hmm. If people just relied on perfect circumstances, it would never happen. Mm -hmm. it never has happened. Mm -hmm. but, you know, in recent history. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> She says here she sees no good reason. So she's not viewing children biblically and not viewing, like, children are image bearers of God. And God tells us to, you know, there are times where, yeah, you shouldn't have children. The scripture does talk about some of those situations. But um, she's claiming, in a sense, really, that children aren't a good thing. Mm -hmm. And she's twisting. She's twisting that people. Yeah. I might add on to that, that the creation mandate calls us to fill the earth and subdue it. Mm -hmm. Therefore, believers should have children, whether or not the earth is the way you want it to be. Mm -hmm. The earth is always mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. I think Before children. Mm -hmm. before, just, mm -hmm. The verse in Psalms that says, I believe I will look on the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Mm -hmm. And I would just want to ask her, do you believe that? Do you believe you will see God's goodness? We, that you do see God's goodness each day because I think if I have to guess she's thinking about all the troubles in the world far more mm -hmm. than the goodness of God yeah 
Yeah, and we're, there's kind of this line too where we have to, we want to be, we don't want to be like Job's friends. Like, well, if, as long as you do the right things, you'll, give, you'll be blessed. Like, no, none of that's going to happen here. This is America, right? We don't want to do that. That's not true. The Lord raises up kingdoms and he puts them down. And some of these, these things she's afraid of may very well happen, right? That's, that's a reality. So we don't want to say, well, don't worry about that stuff. Just have kids. It'll be fine. No, we do need to address these heart issues. She's believing the wrong things about the purpose of uh, childbirth, the purple, probably the meaning of life. We're not here to enjoy stuff. We're not here to just have a good time and have kids and everything's supposed to be happy. You live the American dream. That's not what we're here for. We're here to know and love the Lord, to glorify Him, to live for Him, to walk in obedience. Uh, and there is joy and peace in that. Not in enjoying freedoms, uh, being wealthy, having the right circumstances, politically speaking, or uh, in my town or at the school or the government officials being the right kind of government officials. And all of those things are nice when they are doing their job, right? But those, that's not what we set our... If our peace is tied to those things, it's just like we talked about with joy. If our joy is tied to those things and they can be taken away, we have no joy. We don't have real joy. We have circumstantial happiness. If our peace is tied to those things, we don't have peace. We have a peace like the world gives. Like Jesus said, I, don't, I didn't give you that peace. The peace that I give to you is my peace. I also discuss like some scenarios like if you did have children mm -hmm. what would you view as what's best for them mm -hmm. and based on what she's saying here you know no economic problems no political problems no pandemics right whereas if her heart is right she should desire that they become saved mm -hmm. and if they are believers scripture promises there will be suffering mm -hmm. so there's a, there's a twisted view of the gospel in it right. as well and just of the sovereignty of God. Like, none of this is outside of his control. The bad situation that we're in right now is in God's hands. Like, mm -hmm. none of it is like, oh, I didn't have control over that. Like, in this too, like, he is in control. Yeah. And does he have the power to save them despite the circumstances? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> A lot of this is going to be bringing back to our, our minds and our hearts settled on the Lord. And that Isaiah passage is so good. Uh, you keep him in perfect peace whose circumstances are perfect. No, who have enough money, who aren't sick. Who, no, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is fixed on you. And he trusts in you. Like looking to the Lord who is the everlasting rock, verse 4 says. He's the everlasting rock. And that's a picture. He doesn't change. He's not going anywhere. He doesn't live for a while and then sleep or die. Or No, there's none of that. The Lord does not change. He is always faithful. He is always in control. He is always trustworthy. He is always good to his people. So fixing our mind on that, when I am nervous about the election or when I'm nervous about my retirement, or if I, I didn't get the job promotion that I wanted, or my kids are not obeying, or I'm not able to have kids, or I want to be in this state of life right now and I'm not there. 
thousand things we can list off. But our peace comes. We experience that perfect peace when our minds are fixed on the Lord and we're trusting Him. It doesn't mean, and like, like with joy, it doesn't mean we don't, there's no tears. Sometimes we, we're tearful. Lord, I don't know why you have not given me this or why this is why you did give me this. But I'm going to trust you. And there is a peace that comes when we trust him. What kind of scriptures does Samantha need to, to hear? and settle down, plant gardens, and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. Also seek peace and prosperity for the city which you've been carried into exile. Pray for the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Or just that, that hope in that and the entire basis for that in, in the context is God's promises and trusting in Him. You're here because I put you here. Right? Trust the Lord. Any others? Rock I'd go to Exodus one. It's kind of a common question that young couples have, like, should we have kids in light of the time we live in? Well, I think somebody said earlier, we've always had these kind of times. Mm -hmm. Not anything new or different. But in Exodus one, the children of Israel were suffering greatly by the Egyptians. Says in verse 12 that the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. It's a remarkable, uh, faithful people who were having their children, their sons killed, mm -hmm. or at least they were attempting to. Uh, Moses was one of them, Aaron. And so, what did they do? They had more kids. Mm -hmm. And I think we also uh, run into potentially becoming diviners and soothsayers and fortune tellers by forecasting what we think's coming. We don't have any idea. Mm -hmm. If we borrow tomorrow's trouble, we forecast greed. Mm. We can knock that off. Yeah. Not only that, but in current circumstances, there are people, I think as Americans, we get this idea that there's a potential that everything is perfect and we are just not aware of other places in the world currently that are going through <coughs> difficult things, and yet there are still believers that exist mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. We just, you know, we can't see, we don't see that stuff. Mm -hmm. <coughs> of course, you could get into the whole idea of back in the day they didn't have a choice, you know, whether or not they had kids. Mm -hmm. You know, today, we control that mm -hmm. in ways. Yeah. Some of that's bad. But that would be yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, that's a good thing. Yeah. 
<clears throat> also, I think, you know, uh, in the New Testament, in the parable with the uh, ten servants, he said, occupy till I come. So our command is to occupy. We're not supposed to retreat, go up to the mountains, but to be salt and light where we are. And the best way to do that is to have raised godly children in a house that is, um, you know, directing the kids to the Lord. So they will, when they grow, they'll raise godly children. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the best way to defeat the fear that she has right here. Yeah. This is the, in Jesus' prayer right before he went to the cross in John 17, uh, John 17, 15, I do not ask, praying to the Father, do not ask that you take them out of the world, that you keep them from the evil one. So they're, Jesus is wanting us to be salt and light, like we'll just mention. Um, and we shine, we do good works, we shine that light so that people see them <coughs> and that we give glory to our Father in Heaven. Like, where, where do you suppose that's going to happen? <laughs> Not at my hidden cabin up in the mountains, you know, secluded from everyone and, and everything because they're all bad. That doesn't happen there. It happens in the midst of the of the darkness. I'll probably also take her to passages in scripture that have moms and they're grieving over their children mm -hmm. in a sense. Um, like Simeon said to Mary in Luke, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also. Mm. And to think if Mary would have said, no, God, I'm, I'm not going to carry Jesus. No, I'm not. You know, what if she lived today and she had the resources today to stop the pregnancy? Mm -hmm. You know, all these different things to take control and not trust the Lord in it. Um, and so, like, entrusting her children and the future of her children to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And there may be sorrows, but she can trust the Lord through them. Yeah. I think, you know, just in being gentle that, yes, there are hurting women related to their children in Scripture, and how did they go through that biblically? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Any other comments? She also needs a better theology of suffering. Mm -hmm. um, because I think... We, we know that as God allows his children to suffer, we, we should grow in our relationship with him. We should grow in our ability to um, witness to others as they watch us. I and mean, there's so many sweet things that I think can come from living in a society where all of a sudden we're not the cool people anymore. You know, I, she just needs to study study that before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's, you can take it to 1 Peter 1, 6. Um, in this you rejoice, all the things that the Lord has done in salvation. It says, um, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That there is necessary trials that the Lord gives us. 
James 1, 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. You know, for you know the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect. And it, and it continues. There's, that is all throughout the scripture. Um, and, and even here, think about this. Fix your mind on this. For you know, this is what you know, and this is how that plays out in your life. That you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Remember that. Think about that. So when I meet this trial, instead of getting really angry or hopeless or fearful, okay, I know that the testing of my faith produces steadfastness. God said that in this word. Okay, so that we walk through that with peace because he's producing something in me. First Corinthians, it's producing an eternal weight of glory. Suffering does. So those are all promises that if we think about them, if we remember them, if we trust the Lord who made the promise, we can have peace. I'd also be curious to know what her husband thinks mm-hmm. and if she's like communicated this with him and where they as a couple react because yeah. the, based off the paragraph, it's all her. She mm-hmm. says that she thinks that. And so what does he say? And does this something... I don't know. Does she make a lot of these decisions? Are they in agreement on this? Or does yeah. he want to have kids yeah. and she doesn't? And uh, yeah, there's all kinds of things. I didn't go into those details, but maybe next week. No, I'm kidding. Right. Um, let's move to the next one uh, for the second time. I think we can get through one more. Um, we have a presidential election coming up in just over a year. Yep, I'm going there. All right, here we go. So, <laughs> campaigns are running in high gear. Larry is a loud and proud registered Republican living next to his equally loud and proud Democrat neighbor, Randy. <laughs> the two neighbors have had many discussions over the last seven years and have, that have resulted in mistreatment of the other. Suspicion of motives, accusations, insults, anger have all characterized their relationship. And as the election draws near, both Randy and Larry are also sharing another trait, fear. Each considers a political loss in the presidential election to be the end of the country as we know it. How do you counsel Randy and Larry? Mm -hmm. Let's bring up love your neighbor as yourself. (laughs) (laughs) I think they need the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's take one at a time. Let's let's go with uh, Larry. What's up with Larry? He, so he's the he's the registered Republican. Okay. You're talking with him. You've known him for a long time. You've kind of seen these patterns, and yeah, he he needs the gospel. Are we considering both of them to be? We're, let's consider them both to be attending church somewhere. <laughs> So we would need to give them the gospel, right? To make sure, just walk through. There's questions that we could ask them. So, yeah. First word is proud. Mm-hmm. See there. There's yeah. an issue. They're loud and proud, right? They got the signs in the yard. They've got the banners, the, the bumper stickers. They've got the, yeah, they got it all. Misplaced trust in both of them. For, yeah, for that both. Seems to be the recurrent thing. Yeah, they're placing their trust in what? The government system, mm-hmm. and just saying it, you kind of see that's, that's not smart. <laughs> not the wise path forward is to place your trust, Democrat, Republican, Independent, in the government. 
It's not where we probably want to put our trust because they're made up of people. So are they good? Um, like, let's just say um, three years, then they get angry the re-election season mm-hmm. coming mm-hmm. or what? Yeah. I mean, it, and if you think about it, um, for, I forget my, my name's here, which one's it? Larry. So Larry, um, he had his four years of President Trump, mm-hmm. and now Randy has had four years of President Biden, and guess what? They're back to the same place they were before that last election, and, and we ought to learn a lesson from that, right? When we, we think, yes, my guy, or my lady, won my, the election, and everything's finally gonna be good. And then in a few years, assuming that they, they, they did some of the things that they promised to do, you're right back in the space where you are angry and fearful because it, it didn't fix the things that you thought maybe that they were gonna fix, or they didn't do what they promised they would do. And you can give all kinds of excuses and reasons why that is, or maybe there's just a bad candidate, the next one will be better. Right? That there's all kinds of things there that you're, we ought to know that man is not where no. we put our trust. Yeah, it's God. Yeah. We need to put God first in our life, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. we need to pray for one or another. Um, we need to pray for a godly government or godly like and we could we could do that right we we should be praying for our officials that is biblical that's yeah. a command in scripture you pray for your leaders um, but do you do you pray for President Biden as much as you prayed for President Trump no. <laughs> should you yes. absolutely so we ought to pray for President Biden who put him there the American people God. God put him there. So how I speak about him and talk about him ought to be with respect and honor as a way to love and trust the God of the universe who decided he should be there. You blame all kinds of things. Right? There's, there's a, lot of, a lot of talk about how what happened in the last election and what's going to happen in the future election. Is, that, that's, a, that's always been there, too, talk of that nature. Um, but who is going to put the next president in that position? Our sovereign God is. And whether that person is godly or not, I can guess and I can tell you, probably not, right? We pray for that person, we honor and respect that person, but we trust in the sovereign God who puts people in power. So okay. their actions show that they may not be believers. But if they are, mm-hmm. um, then they are brothers in Christ. Mm-hmm. And there's dissensions and fighting among them. Yeah. And their identity is on a, in a, a political group rather in Christ. And Jesus is supposed to be their king, not, and they're supposed to be identified as a child of God, not as a Republican or a Democrat. Yeah. So there's a lot of problems in that area as well. There's, there's a lot of problems with the lack of love that you're having with, with another person who 
at least professes to be a Christian, right? And if I profess to be a Christian, we are brothers in Christ. There is to be a unity and an affection and a love for one another that we are to have because Christ died for that man. Just like he died for me. And Christ loves that man as he loves me. So there ought to be a bond of, of love between the two. That's where you say something. Well, Yasha should point out to they're entering into quarrels that they know will not change the other person. Mm-hmm. So it's just basically picking a fight to pick a fight. Yeah. And also they're they got this self elevated image of themselves thinking that they have influence over the election. When there's two hundred and fifty million or three hundred million people. Mm-hmm. So we don't, yeah, so don't vote, right? Is that the answer? Don't talk about politics. We just avoid it. No, those aren't the answer, right? We we do what we can as, as good citizens of this country. We're leading back to the, the text that Miles talked about in, in Isaiah. God's telling Israel in their exile, seek the good of that country. Seek the welfare of that country because if that country is doing well, that benefits you. So we do seek the welfare of this country we vote like it and we do those things in our communities and in our families and part of that there's a lot of implications to that so we want to seek the good of this nation but if this nation doesn't go the way that we would like to see it go my peace doesn't go with it that's what I was going to say I mean, like, if I get you to change your party, then we can be cool neighbors. But if you're not willing to swing my way, then we're just going to fight and we're going to quarrel forever Mm -hmm. instead of you're both united in Christ Mm -hmm. and we will have differences. It's okay. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Yeah, and there's going to be important happiness through that. Yeah, there's important issues to be talking through, you know, especially if he's a brother in Christ and, and we are thinking through. How what the Lord would say about how governments are to govern, or how uh, citizens are to behave. Um, there's a lot of good things that we ought to be thinking through and talking through with one another. Um, so those those are all important discussions to have, but we have to have it with a, a heart of humility. Mm-hmm. Right, Dan. I would think a little bit like similar to when we were talking about why. So this slightly different, but like earlier we were having the conversation of Wyatt pouring his like time through the weekends of what he's listening to. Cheap podcasts, cheap articles, cheap. And I would think for for a lot of people those political like divides like Larry and Randy are, like some of it would be coming back to like you guys are probably spending a lot of your time listening to political talking heads and and how much they kind of drive each political group. Kind of the other group's doing this, this is mm-hmm. bad. Like I mean they, they really drive each other against each other, which if you get them in the work, they've still got some differences on like how they see politics. But you're bringing them back to the word and, mm-hmm. and bonding into like they're bonding on Christ and the, the encouragement in right. scripture to love and uh, peace, like the common bond 
Mm -hmm. And I think, I'm sure both, both political groups are different. They have their views, but I think then you're bringing it back to bear on biblically, it's, it's not the talking heads that are driving what they're thinking, it's the Bible driving mm -hmm. kind of how they think yeah. about the poem. Yeah. Yeah, whether it's Wyatt and the Chiefs or whether it's Randy and, and uh, Larry, we need to renew our minds with the scriptures. And right. I can take the political veil away. You see a lot of the sin issues that are very clear and blatant, like insults would be slander, I'm assuming, mm -hmm. anger, suspicion, not assuming the best in the other. So there's a lot of sin issue between these two people. And if one of them, over the other even, claims to be a believer, then mm -hmm. the person who claims to be a believer needs to initiate reconciliation if both of them mm -hmm. come to be believers then we do have that mm -hmm. solid ground like we talked about earlier brothers in Christ family mm -hmm. <clears throat> but there's there's sin if you take the political stuff away and there's some issues in each individual life mm -hmm. that need to be dealt with before they can deal with one another Yeah, yeah. Um, there, are, there are clear um, sinful patterns mm -hmm. in each, each of the men is that to say that the political things are not important to think through and talk about. No, that's not what we're saying. What we are saying that we need to make sure that we're not sinning using the ends justifies the means thing because if that guy gets in, then all these things and this will happen. And some of that's some of that's legitimate, right? Um, every political organization or some political person becomes powerful and they enact their worldview. And sometimes the, the results of those things are very, very bad. Um, but I think sometimes what we're, there's a lot of me putting signs on in my yard and on my car and on social media and wearing my political party on my shirt and doing my, you know, warrior stuff online like that um, there's, there's a popular phrase called uh, you've probably heard it virtue signaling right it's this it's this phenomenon where you you are doing things because you want to appear like you're a righteous person I would never do X I vote for this one I'm affiliated with this party and I like this person because they're this person's evil and like there's there's a lot of things that are done that are performative <clears throat> When, when, you, when you think about and you ask Larry and or Randy, so what are you doing to minister and to meet the needs of, of those people who you're so concerned about? How are you leading your own household? How are you serving people as Christ serves? How are you leading in your various roles and responsibilities? Like, there, some of these things are outlets so that I, if I'm doing this, it's, it's my proof that I'm, I'm doing good things. When, when in reality, the things that God calls me right in front of me, uh, I'm not I'm neglecting those duties. I'm really, this really allows me to be angry and, and mean because I'm doing it for a good cause. Like, yeah, no, that's not, that's not obedience to Christ. It's not love for your neighbor. It's not love for the Lord. So uh, there's a lot we could say, but we are out of time. We'll go ahead and come back. We have a couple other situations that we will, um, I think some, a couple of important topics to kind of explore. So we'll go ahead and do this, I think, next week. We'll finish this one out.
Um, so thank you, everybody. Have a good Sunday.